No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and I'm here live in the studio. So if you have questions, you can join us by phone, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls. And have we have quite a bit to cover in just a 45-minute, well, I guess they say it's an hour, but we only have about 40 minutes, 45 minutes to cover. And probably one of the biggest things that's happening is Monday morning, draw two on PPP loans. Things that we might need to know. Small business money um, is available. Uh, there's money for um, areas in which maybe have been hit a little bit harder than others, but there are some twists. Um, some are great. Some are going to be a lot easier to get number two loan PPP versus people that may not uh, have qualified for it or applied for it because a lot of self-employed individuals did not know that they could do it. Um, and the loans are opening basically for uh, places that were hit hard, certain economic areas, women, uh, business-owned businesses, and um, certain type of of industries are opening Monday morning. So this is going to be very fast, especially considering it is also tax time. So we're going to talk about some of the tax changes, some of the new laws, and we're going to go ahead. I know I'm going to keep my guy busy today in the studio, but we're going to go ahead and hit Andrew. If you have a second. Hey, Andrew, what can we do for you? Okay. Maybe a a two part question already given relative to relative an amount of money, a check written for more than $10,000 is okay. uh, does who pays taxes that kind of a thing and the second okay. the second question is another relative i know it's relative show uh, <laughs> is going to give a relative $25,000 just gifting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can you do that in increments of 9 9 and 7 over a period of a couple months and what would be the problems the drawbacks and legalities of doing any of those Okay, so first one, we'll just take in, it kind of comes into both. So the first one they had received $10,000. The person that gave the gift would be the person that would have to pay tax if there's any tax. Normally when people are gifting, they're taking money from their own personal accounts in which they've already paid tax on. So they're really just moving money from one bank account to another bank account. Um, and as long as it's less than $15,000, there really is no place to report or to to tax. Now, if the individual that gave the money took the money out of a 401k or sold stock, obviously when they get ready to prepare their tax return, they would have tax forms that would tell them that they have taxes possibly due on those funds. Okay. That was taken out of a personal checking account and it was $18,000. Just give me oh, one line. Sorry. So either, so 18 and 25. So um, is this individual married by any chance that's receiving the money or are they single? Receiving the money uh, in the 18000 is married. Okay. So the person that gave the money to the person that has the 18000 theoretically could give it to the husband and the wife. So they would be under the $30,000 gift. Okay. So nothing, nothing there. Nothing there. The one that is going to be receiving the twenty-five is that individual married or single? Uh, single. 
Okay. Um, is the person giving the money to the other relative married? Is that person giving the, the money to the individual? Are they single or married? The person giving the twenty-five is married. Okay, so each one of them could give him fifteen thousand dollars or her. I, I don't know the the individual. Right. So the husband and the wife could each write a check since it's twenty-five. They could split that in half at twelve-five each and give them to that individual, and they still would not have to worry about gift tax return. Okay, so in both cases, if the money is exchanged in that manner, it's just done and done. Exactly, yes. That is it's only just... when it hits over 30000 that it gets a bit tricky because then we would have a gift tax return, not necessarily taxes due, but a gift tax return possibly due. Okay, so the second, the 25000 should be issued by husband and by wife. Correct. It would be great if it was twelve five or broke up in any increment so that each of them gave him twelve five each or 15 and 10. It, it's not really that particular as long as it's under 15. 15 is the max. For All one right. Person. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Good program, no too. Problem. I'll listen. Thank you, Every sir. Appreciate time. it, Andrew. All right, Andrew. Thank you very much. So let's go ahead and take on Lawrence. What do we have going, Lawrence? What to do? Uh, what, yes. What's the question? Um. Yeah, I was wanting to know, like, um, as far as, like, uh, CPAs or whatever, I, I, what's the uh, – is, is timing really important as far as when it comes to filing your taxes? Well, there's always been – I mean, I've been doing it for 25 years almost, and there's always been, and I find it to be somewhat of a myth. At least I can't say I, I have any documentation. Some people – it's consistency that seems to be the trick. Um, you know, they use a computer, and so if somebody has a, a big sale or if they have a big year in their business um, or if you file an extension usually every year and then a year you start filing on the due dates, um, sometimes that's a change in habit, therefore could waive – some sort of flag. I can't guarantee that's absolutely true. It's just kind of more myths within the business that I would actually say more than any kind of documentation uh, that proves statistically most individuals are looking at a, a 3% chance of an audit. Most sole proprietors are looking at about a 1.5% and corporations about a 1%, um, 1 to 3 anyways, depending if it's an S or C corporation of being audited. So your odds are pretty much not in favor of being audited, to be quite honest. Oh well, good, but uh, that that's uh, my my thing is though it's like um, since they are planning on uh, increasing the taxes significantly, and they have like up in Nashville where I think it was a thirty eight percent tax increase. Or yeah, something thirty. Like yeah, that. I think it's thirty two, but don't hold me to that. But either way, it was a ridiculous amount of increase for property taxes in a county. Yeah, and, uh, and so it's. I mean, obviously they have like little or little or no regard for people mm -hmm. and how hard they work for their money. I mean, because that's blatant. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think anyone in Davidson County at this moment would totally agree with you. I have quite a few clients in that. Not one of them are sitting up and saying, oh, yeah, that was a great idea. Um, yeah. So, yes, I think we would all agree that that was not something that they, they even asked. They snuck in. I believe there's still, and I could be wrong, but there was still some court cases and things trying to combat that kind of unusual uh, increase, you know, uh, but that being said, it, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. If they win, they win, I guess. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing is, uh, it seems like they're asking for more and more and more and more money to go into to Nashville, yet they're wanting to take more and more and more. So I'm, I'm really confused on that too. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't have. And well, the sad thing is, in some cases, I mean, especially under the current tax laws on the federal side, there are limitations on how much you can take for property tax and sales tax. In Tennessee, we're actually blessed. We don't have a state income tax compared to places like California, New Jersey. You know, I mean, where I have other Absolutely. clients. Absolutely, yeah. Which they are max out, on that which itself. is just uh, yeah, totally yeah, crazy. Yeah, but Illinois, anyways, Washington D.C., uh, New York, uh, uh, California, Washington State. I would I wouldn't say so much Washington State, but the other ones that I named are applicable, and and they're imploding on themselves. So. Yeah, well, that's because management of money doesn't mean you need Absolutely. more sometimes. It may just mean that you need to manage it better, but, you know, therefore. Yeah, le less is but, more was what I was taught. <laughs> yes, I, I totally agree. And uh, thank you very much for your call. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the fact that we have, and again, this the show today, we have a couple things. Let's cover what we have due probably in January. Let's start with that. Now, again, most of this show is probably going to be edged more towards business owners than individuals. Individuals are waiting for a lot of this, but as a business owner, we have our 1099s, our W-2s, our 940s, our 941s, and our state unemployment reports, multiple states if you have more than one, all due by the last day of the month. Um, so it's a very busy month for us. And now we're going to add second installment of PPP. There is a limitation. We have to have our applications in for businesses that will qualify. And that's really the biggest qualification is a 25% difference between your 2019 and your 2020. Now they're allowing us to calculate that in multiple ways. So just keep in mind, if you're doing PPP and maybe you only had one month difference and another one, you can use the whole year and see if you're down by 25% and you can use one quarter to another quarter and see if you're down 25%. Any of those time periods that you were down 25% allows you to qualify for the second draw PPP. Um, and that would mean documentation, guys, especially my small business owners, the sole proprietors that kind of maybe wing it a little bit on a on the side of uh, doing your taxes and things, this is the perfect time that you need to make sure you have good financials that you can justify bank statements, reconciled quarterly reports, you know, so you can actually show now some cases, I mean, let's be honest, some businesses actually thrived and this isn't going to be you that I'm talking to, but there are a lot in the entertainment, in the restaurant businesses, um, in, in the ones that actually cater to those businesses that we have a situation. So, um, that being said, we need to make sure that we are covering this because again, January, we have W2s that have to be issued and submitted to social security administration. So not just giving them to your employees, but submitting them to the secretary of uh, social security administration on time, or there's some fairly severe penalties they're coming up with and matching. Then you actually have, and I will tell you guys, social security administration, if you're a small business owner and you're still actually buying the software and printing them up, well, I would tell you go to, and I don't get paid for this, but go to e-file for biz and do your W-2s through there. They'll handle all of the filing and sending them via either email or mail to your employees for a fairly minimal price, I think. Same thing with 1099s. Both of those are great, sir. I mean, they do both of those services. It's nice when someone takes care of all the filing of Schedule A and the W-3 or the 1096, because that's where people sometimes get in trouble. They'll print out, the, they'll get the forms from places like 
Office Depot or whatever, they'll type in all the information and then they'll hand them out to the individuals, but they never file it with the government. And that's when the penalties start. I mean, we've got some people that have had 30, 40, $50,000 in penalties for failure to file W-2s. It can be quite severe um, of what the value is. So again, Let's make sure W-2s, 1099s, who else should we be 1099ing? Not just subcontractors, but how about the people we pay rent to as business owners? If you're not a corporation, if the person you're paying rent to is not a corporation, that does not mean LLC, corporation, INC or CO, then you need to be sending them a 1099. How about if you have rental properties and you've had handymen or repair people doing repairs or things on the property, tree trimming. I know myself, we had the big storm last year. Uh, so I've got someone I have to send a 1099 to for my rental on trees. Um, you know, any kind of major repairs. If they're not a corporation, you need to be 1099ing them because rentals are business. We have to 1099 the people that we do business with. If you don't, there are penalties. And theoretically, the IRS could disallow that payment because if you didn't 1099 them, you're not following the rules. And therefore, even though you can prove you paid that person, you may not be able to deduct that expense the way that you would like to. Because let's be honest, we don't want to have to pay taxes on someone else's money. And then last but not least, so then we have all the quarterly reports, 941s, 940, state unemployment. All of those are also due. Very important to get all of those filed by the last day of the month. So that way you've made all your payments and you're moving into February. And of course we, you know, you're starting to get your personal property reports. So we need to get those all set and ready to go. Um, those are based on balance sheets as of the end of the year. And if you have all these and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're like, well, we do payroll, but I'm hoping QuickBooks does all this for us. And let's hope you're in QuickBooks. Um, but you know, any service, unless you have a full service payroll, like ADP or paycheck, they'll be doing all that for you. But if you don't have full service, you're the responsible person and you need to make sure that everything is filed correctly. If you need help, you can always give our office a call. It's what we do and we can help you out because you're going to need good financials this year if you're going to be hoping to get a second payment from PPP as well as making sure you've gotten that loan forgiveness on the first one. And both of these are going to be forgivable. And here's another cool thing. If you had received the first PPP, um, when you turn in your quarterlies, your 25% difference, you don't have to take account what they gave you on the first PPP. So you could still qualify for a second PPP on that same money. It is not included in the calculations or the forgiveness. So that is um, good for a lot of small businesses on how they're going to calculate their payroll. And there is some caps um, number of employees. They're really trying to get this money this time to the self-employed, sole proprietor, independent contractor. A lot of you guys, Schedule C's, did not uh, realize that that money was based on what you pay taxes on. And so it's very important that you have the ability to file and see if you can qualify for that kind of um, money. And I mean, even if it's not forgivable, 1% over five years is a very nice loan if for some reason um, it's not forgivable in your situation. So you definitely don't want to sit on your hands this time. Um, I know a lot of people that walked in my office just didn't know 
or they hadn't filed taxes for a couple of years because life is not perfect and not everyone is perfect. And so they, they ended up with a few situations. Well, hopefully now you're caught up. I know a couple of my clients are caught up now and they're able to get out there and do what they need to do and how they're going to do it. So if we're going to take a, go ahead and take our first break. And if you need help, uh, you can give the show a call right now, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, and we'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. If you have questions or you're sitting there listening and you're like, oh my gosh, it is the end of 2020 and time to start preparing for taxes, you need to give our show a call. If you've got a question, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. During the break, an email came in and one person wanted to know, do they have to file taxes on 2020 if they only had social security, I'm sorry, if they only had um, unemployment benefits? And the answer is possibly. I mean, it depends on how much you received. So if you're single and you received, you know, $10,000 and that's all you received for the whole year, then you're not going to file. But if you had withholdings come out, then it's a possibility that you need to still file. So it's just a matter of coming back and seeing what you actually need to have and what you don't. Um, the stimulus check that people receive starting on the 4th of January of 2021 is based on the 19 filing. So but reconciled on our 2020s. So the good news, guys, the absolute good news is, is if you are one of those individuals never received your 2019 or in 2020, you never received the stimulus. And now in 2021, you still haven't received the stimulus. Guess what? When you file your 2020 tax return in the next few months, there is a place right there on the tax return that allows you to get a, um, you know, get your stimulus money on your check. So it is going to be a wonderful way for you to be able to, you know, get the money put back in your pocket and do the things you need to do and make it work for you versus, you know, not. So if you haven't received your stimulus, also go to irs.gov and check the status of your stimulus. It is on there. Um, many people, I will say, um, had some issues with the whole, stimulus last time and the government relief and if it went into their bank account or not. So you need to find out if it actually did go into your bank or not. And if it did great, if it did not, then, um, they will be issuing checks. Everybody should have received the direct deposit by the 15th of January. That was what they had set as their deadline to be able to do it. Keep in mind it's $600, um, per a person, if your child is 17 or 18 or 19 or whatever, and they are usually claimed as your dependent, then 
then you're not getting any money on those individuals. So the question comes to, do you actually file them as your dependent or do you file your 2020 and let them? Now I will say as a dependent, it's $500 as a non-dependent, it's $600. And if they're in college, it's very likely that you'll have a much higher credit for claiming them than getting the stimulus money. So that'll be something we need to do as far as we have the answer. All right, let's go ahead and hit Jim and see if he can uh, get on the show. Hey, Jim. I had a question. Uh, okay. I, mailed, I mailed my tax return with a check in February, yep. uh, the 2019 tax return in February of 2020. Yes, sir. Uh, they cashed the check about three or four days later. Okay. It was in well, the same good. envelope. In November 15th, I got a letter from the IRS this year saying I hadn't filed a tax return for 2019 yeah. and that they were holding all my money that I'd paid in quarterly plus that mm -hmm. check. And if I didn't file my tax return, they would forfeit the money. I right. So you have money. three years. Did you by any chance, Jim, certify that or did you no, just I throw it not. in the mail? No, I did not. But they got okay. it in the same envelope because they, they cashed the check. So yeah, then I have had I this argument so many times uh, with the government themselves. Filed, I immediately sent them another copy of the tax return. Smart man. Now it's okay. been over six weeks, and they still, my account says, they have no tax return for 2019. Yes. And okay, yet you so that's typical. That's typical? Uh, yeah. So what happened was, of course, first thing was you actually got a head start. So you wouldn't think yours would have been left in the mailroom. That's how your check came out. But somehow the check came out because my understanding, when it goes through the mailroom, they pull all the checks and then they just process, they send the returns down the line for someone to actually manually input paper check, uh, paper um, tax returns. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. in your case, it's on someone's desk. It's now gotten lost. Um, and hopefully, um, it works out where they don't hit you with a late fee since you paid everything before the time period. It, it should not be. Um, but the, the, you did the exactly what we do, but I would have, uh, sent the second one. I don't know if you did or did not, but I would have sent it registered or certified mail. So you would actually have some proof of what date they received it because if you believe their own information, it will take them, um, seven to 15 weeks to process a paper tax return. So from the date you sent it in November, you know, it's, it's only been, well, depending on when you sent it, you said the 15th. So it'll be hitting almost two months come the 15th of January. Um, Correct. so you'll still have possibly a few more weeks, um, <laughs> you know, to see if it's there, but you should be able to, if you, if you have an online account where you can look at it, should show, at least should show received um, pretty soon, I would think. But you did what um, we do with exception of maybe not certifying, but you responded perfectly. Resend them a copy of the return because at that point, arguing the point that it's sitting on someone's desk wasn't going to get you anywhere. Trust okay. me. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And it's so frustrating. I know. Okay. Let's go on to, uh, yeah, Milton. Is this my Milton? Hi, Dr. Friday. Happy New Hello. Year. Hello. Hey, I have a question for you that uh, came up this week, uh, talking with some friends. And I say, well, I can get an answer to that on, fr on uh, when I talk with Dr. Friday on Saturday. Let me, let me ask you this question. 
when people call in uh, to, let's say, Crime Stoppers, like we had the bomber downtown that did that and they knew him and they called in and they really had information where they got the money, do they count that as income on their income tax when they get ready to file because of that call in? And what about people that do call in regularly if they have information about a crime committed and Crime Stoppers pay them? Do they have to count that? I don't think it's anywhere from like one to five thousand dollars. But even if, if they get that, do they have to count that as income when they get ready to file? My understanding, according to a thing, because that was something that came up, and it's funny because it came up in one of my conversations. I hope we're not talking to the same people. No, um, <laughs> all rewards paid by Crime Stoppers are tax free. No need to report them as income to the IRS. That is something that is actually put out by Crime Stoppers on their website. Okay. Let, well, what about there? If you know about the situation with the bomber, there mm-hmm. was also a private citizen, I think, who had put up uh, either one hundred and twenty-five thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand, and he was going to add, you know, pay that person off if they knew or had information. Since that's coming from a private individual, what about that? Um, I'm going to work with the idea that it would be considered a gift and that person would actually have to take it from their lifetime gift, um, rewarded. It would not be taxable to the individual that receives it because it's I not see. earnings. And you know, it wasn't like you won a reward, uh, won a prize from, you know, uh, some sort of lottery. Um, those are both taxable, but in this case, for turning in information, my understanding from what I'm actually seeing right here is that it is not a taxable situation. That person that gave the money would have to deal with the taxes on it. It's not a tax deduction to them either. Okay. Hey, and I want to tell you on that first caller that called in about the uh, the $25,000 and the 15000 that he was going to give, that uh-huh. was very valuable. I, I, I'm really learning something. I didn't know that, and that was very educational. Well, you're a sweetheart, Melton. Talk to you soon. Okay, thanks so much and stay warm. You too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. God, I love it when my clients are actually listening. I got to love Melton. Okay, Marty. Marty in the borough. Hey, Marty. Uh, Good afternoon, Dr. Friday. Uh, I received a uh, what you call an IRS love letter, the first love Mm -hmm. letter I've received in over 45 years of filing taxes. Ooh. And here are the details. Back in December of 2019, I decided to convert a tax-deferred IRA into a Roth IRA. Okay. Okay. The amount of that uh, of that uh, income was was you know about half of what my total income for the year was. Okay. And so I filed my income taxes, paying for you know paying the for conversion. that tax uh, fee in uh, April of 2020. Mm-hmm. This week, I received a love letter basically penalizing me for uh, failure to pay estimated taxes, and they itemize it every two and a half months all the way back to 4-15-2019. Now, keep in mind, the, the decision wasn't made to convert this until December of 2019, but they're hitting me with penalties uh, starting in April of 2019, so... You know, this doesn't doesn't ring. Right. You don't like it? You don't think it's fair? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. In your case, there is a form, and you probably didn't think to include it for a penalty waiver, um, because keep in mind, 
they look at the total number. This person made a hundred thousand. They owed us more than five thousand dollars in taxes. So therefore, they need to make quarterly estimates based on the on the tax law. That's all they're looking at. They're just looking at. They don't look at it as a one-time situation. It was, you know, w- when you did the conversion, how close was it to the final, um, you know, draw or anything else. So you need to um, respond to them with a waiver relief. Um, you can do that either in a letter format. I mean, it doesn't have to be a specific letter per se, but you need to put in writing exactly what the situation was so that they can actually have an individual look into it, right? Say, Hey, wait a second. I took this money out on, you know, whatever date it was and it was converted. And at that time I paid taxes when I filed my taxes. Now I will tell you, um, when anyone listening, if you do a conversion, in theory, you need to pay the taxes that would be due within the 90 days or the next estimated coupon. So in theory, they could say then, you know, you reconvert it. When did you convert it, Marty? In December? The last week, the last week of December 2019. Okay. okay, so you basically paid it almost in the 90 days that you actually had it. I mean, you know, in all honesty, depending if, I mean, you may wait till the April 15th, but in, you know, 2020, we actually had till July 15th, right? right um, I filed in April. So I'm not too sure if you waited till July or if you filed it on the April deadline. April. But I, April, okay. Um, but I would send them a letter explaining it. I mean, it, again, they're just looking at gross numbers and how much you had due, and immediately the computer sends out this sweet little letter saying, oh, we think you made a mistake. Here's what you need to do. Pay us. Okay, so it'll just be a free-form letter. There's not really yeah. a an official form number. There really isn't. I mean, you can even call if you have the patience and the time um, and you're able to get through because I'm sure a lot of people are listening and they're like, I've been trying to call. Um, I have two people. Um, But my suggestion would be to, you could either call them and explain it to the individual. They would have the ability to abate those penalties and or respond to that letter to the address. And I think there's a fax number possibly. It says, if you don't agree with this, um, there may be a fax letter on it, the fax number on the letter. I could be wrong. I'm not looking at the letter, which one it is. So, um, but then I would certify any response because it's going to take them 60 to 90 days, sometimes longer than that to actually give you an answer on it. Okay. But there's no reason you should prepay it because sometimes I'll say, well, pay some of the penalty and then they'll give it back to you if it gets waived. But really yours should be able to be waived. Okay. Well, thanks, Dr. Friday. Appreciate all no the problem. help you give uh, us listeners on the fighting the IRS when we don't feel we're being treated fair. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks. Bye. All righty. So let's go ahead and take our next break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your calls at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, and we'll be right back. mic on first all right and we've got brian on the line so let's go ahead and start looks like the phone lines are lighting up which is what i love hey brian let's see there we go hello now try it brian you there okay yes ma'am how are you this afternoon i am doing awesome how about yourself i'm I'm doing really well thank you and i appreciate you taking my call here's um here's what i've got in uh 2019 my wife and her brother were given a home, and the home, they sold the home. And they didn't pay, they weren't expected to pay 
on our income tax return. We didn't pay any kind of a capital gain tax on there. They weren't looking for penalty on it or anything anything like that. And I, I talked to my tax preparer a couple of days ago because we are going to be selling our primary residence in Gallatin when mm-hmm. we've lived in for 22 years. The home that we that my wife owned before was not a primary residence, but it's only been a year apart. And I didn't know if where we're going to be selling this home, if we had a, we can expect to have a capital gains penalty that's owed on it. Well, assuming that the other home that they sold, I'm not too sure why you wouldn't have had a gain on it, but maybe it was the way they handled the, maybe they didn't make money on it. But the primary home, if, if they didn't take that exclusion, you would have a $500,000 exclusion. So bottom line, if you purchase the home for 200 and you sell it for 700 you'd have zero capital gains um on the home for the number of years you've lived in it the bigger question would be is how they treated that last home sale but i mean again you said it wasn't the primary so it sounded like an investment that they had or someone gifted the home to them um but normally with gifting there would have been some capital gains uh, involved there but that's not the question hmm yeah Okay. Well, I guess it. Um, I, I guess it goes a long way to be able to clear up the, any confusion I might have had in my mind. Um, yeah, that pair said that. I mean, there was a there was a, a gain on the house. Um, right. The That's what it, it sounds like to me. The there was a gain. It. So why wouldn't there have been a fifty percent if it was a fifty fifty split between the two partners or siblings or whatever? Why would they not now? you may have a low enough income where if it was held for over a year and it hit capital gains rates, then there could have been a 0% capital gains rate tax on you. But, um, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm not too sure on that one, but at this moment, that one's not the one that we had the conversation on. So your primary, it sounds like you, unless you have a very large difference between what you paid for it and what you are going to sell it for, you have that $500,000 that's, free money and you don't have to reinvest in another piece of property within two years or anything. Terrific. Okay. okay. Well, I appreciate it. Just man, that clears it up. Thank you. Have an awesome afternoon. Hey, you too. And thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Okie dokie. Let's see here. We have, it looks like uh, Joe's been on the line next. If Joe's available to us, thank you for multitasking in the studio there. All right, Joe, what's happening? So uh, what's the deal on uh, averaging income? Is anything like that still going on? Farmers have it. Um, Other than that, there's not a lot of averaging in the tax law. There are some things under retirements and things that can be done sometimes, but mostly individuals or businesses, averaging income kind of went out of style, oh, a number of years ago. Um, Are you you in the uh, farming? I think I'm in some deep shoo-shoo here because of uh, a Roth conversion. Uh, I converted okay. mine about the time, I don't remember exact, the exact date, but it was, it, it was about the time that they discovered that we had the the, uh, the virus, and so the stock market went down, and so I said, this would be a great time to convert my IRA to a Roth because everything's down. I know it's coming back up, and it did. Mm-hmm. But uh, I converted ninety thousand dollars, so now I've I've increased my income by ninety thousand dollars, and you know, so I'm gonna have about a total of maybe you know one hundred fifty sixty thousand dollars of income to pay taxes on, including the 
the IRA conversion, which is $90,000 on that. Right. That's a, that I've one. A, um, well, I mean, bottom line is you did it at the right time. You would have ended up paying more taxes in the big picture, right? Um, I'm trying to find the cup is half full kind of story for you because there's no way of averaging it uh, for the purpose that I can can think of at the moment. Um, conversions are what they are, and therefore you're going to end up, yeah, paying tax on $150,000. That's it is considered. Yeah, it's just considered ordinary income. So you're you would be kicking yourself up into the twenty four percent tax bracket. That's assuming that you're married. If you're no. single, you kicked no. yourself up into the twenty eight percent tax bracket pretty much. Well what about uh, I've got capital gains lost carryover. Can can any of that be used in that situation? Nope. Capital gains against capital gains. So um, as you know, when we convert our IRAs, even though it may have been in stocks, when we take the money out, it becomes ordinary income. So you cannot offset. You'll have that $3,000 and zeroing out any gains you might have had, but it's not going to help you in the major picture of, of the 90000 Yeah. No, sir. So I Sorry just got to sell some more stock to, to pay well, the money. Tax on yeah, selling selling the stock or making a larger loss won't help you on that. Well, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to get. I I got to come up with some money. I mean, I. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So oh, yeah, dirty, you, you're going to have to do a few stocks. Right now, the stock market's not doing too bad. So, uh, you know, be careful. You don't get yourself another huge capital gains or something. Maybe you well, got enough loss to offset some of those gains. Anyway, it'll be another year, and I've got losses to go against it. So, man, I'll, I'll... Good point. Good point. Yes, sir. Well, good luck on that decision. Sorry, I couldn't give you better help. Thanks, Joe. All right, let's go ahead and hit up to Jake. Hello, Jake. Hello. Um, I got a question. So, we, uh, my wife has just finished uh, school back in May, has got a job. Uh, student loans have been deferred until, I believe, don't have to start paying on, to, on them until February. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time, um, back in, like, I want to say October, she had about $33,000 in interest accumulated over the four years of the loans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we went ahead and paid off all the interest because we were looking at it, and you can't make a principal payment to student loans while there's interest. You have to pay all the interest off first. And I see that's why people have such issues with the uh, the student loan right. program. Um, so since I paid, and then we paid five thousand dollars to the smallest loan. Now, am I going to be able to write that off? How much am I going to be able to write off? Unfortunately, only twenty five hundred dollars of interest is deductible. Okay. So you won't be able to write that off, but you know, you won't be able to write off if you paid them 30,000. Okay. So just 2,500, I can't carry that over to next year. No, sir. Cause you paid it all. And and we, we do taxes basically on the cash basis. So, um, 2,500 in, in the year in which you paid 30, but I know what you were thinking, just trying to get that paid out and get it out of the way. But for tax purposes, spreading it. So, I mean, you know, it's, we owe about 300000 now, so, I mean, it's just trying to keep, stay ahead of it so it don't keep building on itself. So, uh, that's what my thinking was on that. Cause I'm, yeah. 
trying to. It wasn't a bad. Off, like, it wasn't a bad thought. I mean, let's be honest. Student loans aren't great tax deductions, no matter how we play the game. It's a lot like a mortgage, in my opinion. You don't get a dollar for dollar deduction. So sooner you can right. pay it off, better you're going to be. Debt is never a great tax deduction. So. Oh, I, um, I agree 100. You know. Yeah. All right, that was kind of my question, uh, you know, because, okay. you know, everybody called in about certain tax things. Uh, I just never heard student loan things, so I just figured I'd oh, ask. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking, too, because it really does help other listeners. So I really appreciate it, Jake. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Um, let's see if we can get the last two in before the break. We've got Gary. Hey, Gary. Hello. What can I do for you? I, I got a question. Well, I got a couple questions. I, uh... I sold a house back in 2019 that was an investment property, and my tax guy said I didn't have to pay any taxes on it. Hmm, that seems to be going around. We had another person that said the same thing. I'd love to know how they're doing that. Well, that's what I, I'm kind of worried about that. I just heard so much of what you were saying. He said I didn't know any taxes on it. I, I cleared $60,000. Are you married I, or single? I am married. And what was your overall income? Do you know? Uh, over or under a hundred? It was under a hundred, but I didn't well, claim the sixty thousand dollars. Okay, well, two things: investment property. If it's a flipper, normally it's done within one year, so you don't you no. you're hitting ordinary income tax no matter what. If I you held it for years. over a year then you might have been able to, you would have claimed it, but you might have had a zero tax because you were under the 100000 therefore under the 15% tax bracket, and you have a 0% capital gains rates for those individuals. But no matter what, in either of these cases that's come up today, you guys need to be reporting it, showing it, and then the IRS, and what's, you know, the IRS knows about these things because there's these are closings. I mean, unless you did something where it didn't go through a closing agent, which normally isn't the case, that is reported at the time of closing to the IRS. I've been enough audits where they've shown where people have brought and sold real estate and never showed it on their tax return. So I would definitely go back and talk to your tax person to make sure you understood. I'm not saying, but you know, that's their job to make sure you're doing it right and confirm with them that there was no tax, no reporting of this income to the IRS. Doesn't make sense to Friday. Okay. Well, my, 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 are you know much about Social Security? I know a little bit. I claimed Social Security this year. I turned 66 in April. I filed in July for Social Security. For I, I thought full retirement age was in October, but she asked if I wanted to go back till April and get back six thousand dollars. Did you say yes? I said yes. I thought, but, but then I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, that no. I mean, it should have been. Um, uh, everyone's dates are a little different, um, so it could have been sixty-five and three quarters or whatever. Like mine hits sixty-seven. But there's a big break between 65 and 67, depending on when your birthday came in. And they did it by every quarter, right? So you may have been actually in the first one. And maybe it was only, it wasn't, maybe you didn't have the right date for your, your retirement. But they would know. They're, they're going to be right on that one. Okay. Well, I, I just didn't, I, I, I thought maybe she taught me in the going back and getting extra money. But I would have got more money if I waited until October, which was what I planned. 
No, I think she probably no. would have known us. I'm assuming she would not have done it for early Social Security. You can confirm that with them to make sure. But again, not a little bit outside of my thing. But I would double check just to make sure they don't have you signed up for early Social Security. But that doesn't make sense why she would do that normally. Okay, well, that's what I okay? need to know. Thank you. No problem. All right, Frank, what do you got? Real quick. Can we do Frank or do I need to take the break? Yeah, I, uh, I have two questions. My yes. first question is... Um, I'm a Uber driver. Okay, my the guy that prepared my tax last year, uh, my 2000, my 2018 tax taxes, he never added my Uber uh, income to it. So I okay. received a letter from I received a letter from uh, the IRS about uh, uh, last month that um, I need to uh, uh, I need to confirm Reporture. my income. Mm -hmm. So what should I do? You need to file a corrected tax return for 2018 and add in a Schedule C for the Uber. If you need help, you can call my office. Okay, and then the second question is, um, in terms of uh, deduction for the tax year, Huber, uh, if you purchase a new car or you purchase a car that you're using for Huber, is that deductible into in your tax? Not the new car. Only miles would be used because that car is usually used for personal use as well. No, I got a personal. I got a personal car, but I, and I got a Huber car. So okay, well, you could take the actual for Uber if you want. The actual would be the cost of the car, the fuel, all that. You'd have to track everything on it, but you can take actual if the car is used 100% for business. I don't know okay. if it's going to be good for you because normally miles are better for my delivery people than or for Uber drivers than a new car, but that would be something you want to crunch with your tax person. Okay? So in case of, okay, for example, maintenance and other things that you use on a car, like buying tires and other, other services, gasoline, to drive Uber, are they deductible? You, you can take 100% of that if the car is used 100% for business. Yes. You can't take okay. both miles and actual, but you could take actual. Yes, sir. Okay. So that may I will call, okay. call your office and set an appointment to come and see you for my, for my, for my 2018 taxes. Sure. You can go to my website, drfriday.com, and set up an appointment. Okay. Thank you. Let's cut Thank it. Thank you. All right. All right. Let's take a break. If you have questions, now is not the time to call. You're going to have to call the office on Monday morning, and you can reach us at 615-367-0819. Again, that's 615-367-0819. Check me out on the web at drfriday.com. Our schedule is on there. If you have questions or you need help getting your accounting or your taxes done, um, please give us a call. I do. Um, I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. So it just basically means I can help you with your tax issues. We also have a bookkeeping firm associated. So if you need help, we are certified QuickBooks advisors. So we deal with QuickBooks all the time. And again, if you're looking to do something with PPP, you do have to have good records. You need to be able to show the loss of income between one year and the next. And they're going to require financials and payroll records if it comes into play. So if you have questions or you need help with that, another way to reach me would be email, which is my first name, Friday, like the day of the week, at drfriday.com, friday at drfriday.com. Again, if you need help dealing with tax issues or if you haven't filed taxes in a number of years or you haven't received your stimulus, well, we can reconcile that when we file your 2020 taxes. Give me a call, 615 367 
1-9. I hope you guys have a wonderful Saturday. It's a little nippy outside, but, you know, it's a good day to start cleaning out all those tax records, get your extra organized, and get everything put together. Hopefully, you'll start getting your W-2s and 1099s. I hope you have a wonderful Saturday. Cop you later.